Have you ever thought, are you going to live in Malaysia one day? The Josh Ten Show. Today, we're going to talk about retiring in Malaysia. There's so much news coming out right now about property prices in Singapore. I guess you're also worried about it. And also some negative news on what's going on in uh, you know some projects in Malaysia. Today, we have Gerald on with us. Hey, guys. Hey, Gerald. I saw some very interesting findings. It mentions yeah. that you know for an American to consider retirement in Southeast Asia, Singapore is 1 million plus in total cost needed. But Malaysia is only a quarter of that. Clocking in at 288,000 estimated amount you need to retire in US dollars in Malaysia. That equates mm. about 350,000. What do you think of that finding? I think it's accurate uh, because Singapore is oh, it's expensive, man. Property and cars just takes up most of your money in Singapore. But cars it's, are optional, yeah. right? We have good transport system, unlike in JB even. Yeah, but one thing to factor is Americans, I believe they have more of a drinking culture than Singaporeans. Hmm. Yeah, drinking in Singapore is really expensive too. Alcohol tax, right? You mean alcohol and tobacco tax. Every year budget, there seems to be more taxes on these kind of vices. What are your first thoughts? If you're someone with 350000 you couldn't save up to a million dollars for whatever reason is. Then would you really consider you know, retiring in Malaysia? Because the living costs might be way lower. But... So my wife's a Malaysian, right? Her family, it's all in Malaysia. Um, half of them is in KL. The other half is in uh, Kuching, East Malaysia. So yeah, uh, I've been to both places very often. In fact, we go there on uh, two weeks, um, stay over almost every quarter. And it's really that cheap. Uh, um, what they say, life's good. Um, healthcare is cheap. I went for dental once. It was one ringgit. Even if as a foreigner? Uh, because my wife's Malaysian. Uh, and they allow me to just went in for $1. It's, I don't know if it's just because they didn't check or they don't care. Uh, so it's subsidized, <laughs> right? By like state medical benefits. Yes. What are you saying? If I have 350000 right? Definitely wouldn't mind Malaysia at all. So um, for me and my wife, right? We would spend approximately 3000 ringgit a month. Just two of us. Would that cover enough of... Because you didn't buy a car, correct? Like if you were to really retire, would mm. someone need to prepare a bit more? Like buy a house there, buy a car there, buy insurance yeah. there, kind of thing. So actually, I found this article from Dollars and Cents which talks about the retirement um, cost in Malaysia. So um, I think like, for example, KL, they state that for household, mm. right? I think I'm assuming like for a family of four, it's 6.9K ringgit um, and Selangor is 5.8. So one thing to note is that a lot of, it's like the Orchard Road of Malaysia. So the state around KL, which a lot of Singapore actually also call KL, right? It's called Selangor. So over there, it's actually a lot more affordable at 5.8K. And the thing about KL is that there's a lot of traffic jams there. So given a choice, I would prefer to stay in Selangor, which is just beside uh, a KL. In fact, it surrounds um, KL. Are the best schools in KL city centre, best hospitals in KL city centre, or you can possibly retire well with, I don't know, facilities outside of KL also. Hey, hey I'm not very sure. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, Selangor is very comfortable to retire. Like. In fact, most Malaysians, they would stay in Selangor, then travel to KL to work. Hey, but most people would be thinking of JB instead of KL. Like. KL is like a four-hour drive. I, I guess yeah. Singaporeans imagine living in JB instead. If you look at the data from uh, Dollars and Cents, right, JB... Uh, it's actually 4.8K. It's a lot cheaper than uh, KL or Selangor, uh, which is what surprised me, right? I would think that actually JB near the custom area, actually prices are really expensive. But I think what they meant is that on average, because if you go to the we go further out in JB, because JB is also quite large, mm. it gets a lot cheaper over there. In terms of quality of life, right? KL is definitely a lot more lively. La. So over there, I had fun experiences. Like I went to play like badminton in the dark. 
the first ever, you know. <laughs> and they have very interesting um sites, like, you know, the hills, the mountains. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot more commercial activity and it feels a lot more like Singapore where it's very developed. Whereas Johor, a lot of it is quite, uh, still quite old. Uh. It's more of a small town, similar to Kuching, right? And I think if someone stays in Johor, maybe coming back to Zimbabwe work is a lot more possible. Just in case in retirement, you have some, I don't know, consulting work or you want to just swing by Singapore a bit more. Then that convenience of being very near, just a causeway away, has that appeal yeah. factor. But I hear you also that, yeah, Johor is cheaper than KL. Why not consider Johor as an alternative also rather than living in KL itself? I agree with you. In fact, uh, if you want to stay in Malaysia, one of the biggest um, issues is getting a visa, right? If you don't have the proper visa, then you can only stay for 30 days and one mm. go. Yeah, so um, if you're in JB, it's easy to come back to Singapore. Then after they go back, you know, to renew <laughs> that um, visa. Whereas if you're in KL, wow, it's almost a um, six-hour journey. If you take a bus, it's, you know, 12 hours uh, just to refresh the visa, right? Unless you have enough money to um, get the retirement visa in Malaysia. Oh, you're messing about the MM2H idea. Correct. In any case, anyone viewing this haven't heard of it before. MM2H is like a retirement visa, whereby if you qualify, if you're not a million ringgit parked in a fixed deposit, and then you still have to have income proof, 40,000 ringgit, which is about 13,000 sing, then you can qualify for that retirement visa that you can you know stay in Malaysia for long term. Hey, but there's also one that's for Sarawak, which you are a bit more familiar with. Yeah, um, do you know about the numbers for Sarawak compared to uh, like general Malaysia? Definitely much less and I think less popular also because most Singaporeans haven't visited uh, East Malaysia, including myself. Ah, okay. Um, my family is there. Happy to bring you there someday. So I think one of the toughest uh, part of the general um, MM2H is that you need 40,000 ringgit in monthly income mm. that is not inclusive of dividends. You need to be like from a company that pays you that amount in order to qualify. Where active else for, income, uh, what you're saying? Yeah, it's active income, right? So the company needs to pay mm. you. That means you must be working. It's not, it's not passive income sources. Yes. For Sarawak, the number goes down to 10,000 ringgit, which is a lot more reasonable if compared to say 40,000 ringgit a month. Four times less. That's a much lower hurdle for qualifying. Yes. Uh, the pace of living in Sarawak is uh, a lot slower. And over there, there is quite a fair bit of indigenous people. Something that Singaporeans will never hear of, you know? Then when we think about retirement, it's uh, firstly, visa part. And then convenience to Singapore. Sarawak, and you fly three hours, something like that, to Singapore. And there's also yes. uh, living costs, which includes your cars, your alcohol that you want, as well as medical costs. I actually saw this research. And what they actually mentioned is that they rate Malaysia's medical standards close to Singapore on an index. The index, of course, factors in a lot of things, includes the skill, includes the modernization of the treatment, and of course, includes the cost. But I fully disagree with that. I think it's it's quite <laughs> crappy. It's like satisfaction with, with cost to you. Of course, Singapore is more expensive. But when it comes to real medical needs, you want problems to be solved. Right? You cannot be penalizing Singapore medical standards because it's expensive. If not, a lot of you know, uh, rich folks wouldn't be flying to Singapore instead for medical tourism. In terms of modernization of their equipment, right? Singapore scores much higher. I also have that gut feeling that Malaysia might be a bit more dated in their medical practice. Uh, any idea about this topic you know, of medical needs if you were to retire in Malaysia? 
in my case, I have the unfortunate experience of um, having multiple family members go through surgeries in different parts. So for me in Singapore, for my sister-in-law in KL and my grandma, which is last week in uh, Kuching, right, in Sarawak. Yeah, then I have the three experiences to compare. Uh, Singapore is fast. Um, so like, for example, if I want to go for my surgery, the waiting time, you know, I just wait straight away. I was in um, five minutes, you know, they would rush me to the theater and I'm done. Um, close my eyes, wake up. Whereas for KL, it's actually really good too. Um, in KL, based on my sister-in-law, she felt that well, it's actually very efficient, very smooth, and it's cheap. Like anywhere from one ringgit to as much as hundred ringgit for the entire operation. Whereas for me, I just did like a simple shoulder surgery that cost me eleven thousand dollars, sing dollars in Singapore and SGH. Correct. Yes, that's after all the subsidies lah. Um, otherwise you'd be like twenty five, right? So, so there's no subsidy lot- from government. If I hear you. Accurately, it's East or West Malaysia. Yeah, um, but the issue there is that there's overcrowding, and for East Malaysia, uh-huh. the healthcare is a lot slower. So we had several bad experiences. Like they make her, they made her staff. They say, "Oh, you're gonna go to surgery tomorrow." They made her staff for eight hours, and then say, fasting, "Oh, sorry, I'll go for surgery." Yeah, sorry, fasting, right? So then, um, they couldn't send her to the theater. Brought her back out. Then the next day, say, "Oh, you need to go for surgery." Staff is faster for another eight hours. Then tell her, "Sorry, you cannot go for surgery." So there's a lot of miscom. Um, and wow, the whole family rushed down, thinking that you know, surgery happening, then not happening. Then rushed down again, happening, then not happening. So that was our experience. It was really. Are, really are you saying the competence level is a bit dubious? <laughs> I mean, just correct, a bit. Correct. So that was for our experience in uh East Malaysia, right? Hmm. Uh, but KL didn't hear of that problem, and um Singapore, you never hear of such a problem. <laughs> so uh, at least I would think that 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 doesn't happen in Singapore, lah. I think in Singapore, we are more fixated, whether it's government or private hospital. Some people complain government is still slow because, you know, mm-hmm. private side is definitely better service. So that's what you pay for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then that also boils on the point, if you have a house in JB, then if you need medical needs, just come back to Singapore, treat it. Though. Would that solve everything? Would that be best of both of us? You drink alcohol in JB and then mm-hmm. when you need medical needs, come back. But it's think- crazy, you know? No, actually, I think, right, it might be even better. Like, I feel that what's a lot more value for money is you have um, insurance to have private hospitals in Malaysia. Because private hospitals in Malaysia are not too poor, in my humble opinion. Uh. The so as long as you, or service. Yeah, if you do like a lot research, it makes a lot more sense, especially when you have like chronic illnesses, right, that will last for months. Coming to Singapore is very, very expensive. Um, and for those of you who kind of had experience, you can leave a comment below to tell us how much you spend mm. on um, medical treatment in Singapore, right? Because as Singaporeans, there are subsidies, right? If you go to subsidized wards, it could really become cheap also. But mm-hmm. when you're in Malaysia, then you're a foreigner, right? You're on the chopping block, that's my guess. Then now this question becomes, would you rather... Singapore government hospital or Malaysia private hospital, right? Then mm. that's quite that's quite interesting now. Now <laughs> I'm not very sure. <laughs> a private hospital in Malaysia sounds uh, a lot more atas. Hopefully the speed is faster. Uh, but again, we don't know the, the skill level. Right? And what I've uh, put in that survey, right, is that the equipment, the treatment modernization is rated inferior. So I, I still guess that Singapore hospitals, whether it's government or not, are still going to be pretty good in that standard, right? I'm not very sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm conflicted on this. I would love to know what the audience thinks. So for you, would you buy a property in Malaysia? Because recently there has been some hoo-ha, some uh, Chinese lady, if I'm not wrong. She actually bought yes. a flat in Forest City. I don't know if you've seen the article. And then when yes. she went there, she was sorely disappointed. What she was promised was you know, beach view, uh, unblocked view, 
uh, good facilities. And when she went there, horror because nothing is maintained. Maybe COVID did a part. Uh. But what are your first thoughts when you read about the viral article on Mothership? The first thing I thought of is that she bought from a lousy developer, I think. Hey, <laughs> uh, that's so a renowned Chinese developer. Okay, the thing is, I also have personal experience buying property because we were just shopping for properties just, I think, three or four months ago. I talked about it on my YouTube channel. And it's quite um, interesting um, how different the property scene in Malaysia is compared to Singapore. Like Singapore, right? You can be certain that if you buy any property in Singapore, it's quite okay, you know? There's certain like regulations and you know mm. that you'll be crowded and people will be in like fail safe but in Malaysia there are a lot of properties that you buy you really lose money uh, like you lose a lot of money in Malaysia uh, and I think in part because there's an oversupply of property and the regulation there is a lot more lax right so mm. um, developers are not very you cut um, corners right what's your thinking cut of? corners yeah so I think the forest city one on Previously, I think a lot of people call it the Iskandar ghost town, right? Now they call it the Forest City um, ghost town. It is one prime example of um, people who don't know what's, what they're buying, right? Mm. So they just bought because hey, they went to the sales gallery and I went to the sales gallery, gallery myself as well. Wow, they really chore- uh, they choreographed the sales experience. Wow, you know, serenade, serenade you, koyo, koyo, until you feel, wow, this place is like so beautiful. Got water fountain, you know, uh, right in front of the mountain. Top story, unblocked view. Now after they tell you to buy some more zero dollar down payment, and then your rental can cover your property payment. You literally take a bank loan, and then you zero dollar down payment. Correct. You don't need okay. So you don't need because it is a zero dollar uh no cash outlay kind of. You can take bank loan for the entire property, right? Then um they calculate for you the numbers. Wow, your rental can cover the monthly installment. Why are you thinking about you know why are you still waiting? Any idea was the loan uh requirement in Malaysia or oh, how come it's different from Singapore in that zero dollar down right. payment part actually it's not zero dollars but because um what there's this trick of the trade in Malaysia where they do like cash back so because Singaporeans if you want to buy a property in Malaysia it needs to be over one million dollars ringgit lah hmm. and that number sounds well, very scary, right? Um, but in actuality, right, a lot of properties there are over the million dollar mark. And what happens is that developers will kind of inflate the price uh-huh. and then they will give you a cashback. For example, I charge you $1 million for, for the property. After you buy it, I give you a $200,000 cashback. Uh, then that's where you use it for the down payment. Something Correct. like that. A verbal, I, I, no, I you mean. Yeah, so I took an 80% bank loan, for example. Mm. I can't remember what was the bank loan my family um, took, right? So 80%, for example. Then um, that's 800K, right? But hey, you got 200K cash. So you know that. Anyone viewing the... Singapore not allowed uh, such <laughs> practices. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised actually. Uh. And you know, if you're viewing this and you, you have heard of stories on how they can structure creatively uh, above board yes. or underboard, you know, leave the comment sections. I think it'd be interesting to discuss but yeah, the main so thing is right now it's a ghost town right? like even yeah. if you bought it who's going to live there like all the talk of rental people may- maybe some Singaporeans are living there with rental costs so expensive now but before that I think it's totally empty there. unlike Singapore right Malaysia is very big so if you buy an area that is not accessible that um mm. the people of Mal- because Malaysians would be would know where the work areas are you know mm. where the nice roads are but as a foreigner you don't know all these intricacies of transportation how is it like to work there um, so if you just anyhow buy a random property right you really don't know whether people want to rent the place or not I, mm. I think I've, I've heard before that grab drivers are reluctant to go into Forest City or grab food riders 
because it's just so far and uh, you don't know when is the next deal coming. So that's why when you have a whole bunch of people like, you know, buying a, a, a whole in, a property, right? And nobody is renting it because all of these are investors. They just want to rent out. Hmm. So you can imagine the competition to rent out of the property as well as the prices in which, you know, sellers who want to sell out would sell at. So there's a lot of supply, oversupply like, basically. So there's no, not much local demand, which means right. also if investors are not around there for vacation home, or just not renting it out successfully, then that's where it leads to that poor occupancy. There's also some reports that it's slowly reviving. <laughs> I'm yes. a bit skeptical, or maybe it's just temporary because Singapore's rent is just so expensive. But mm. I also don't rate it too highly. Because uh, recently I went to Putri Harbour for vacation. Mm. Putri Harbour is quite near uh, Forest City. Then from what I can see in Putri Harbour also is poor maintenance. There was actually a theme park there, Thomas Land previously for three, four years ago, and it actually closed shop. So even in Putri oh, Harbour, gosh. where it was meant to be something harbour front, something, you know, like capital kind of a, a look, uh, the maintenance suggests that, you know, you, you can't really trust them. Like, that's, that's the gut feeling I get in Malaysia uh, developments. So I think that's the key lesson, right? And when you want to look at um, Malaysia properties, really look for um, developers or areas that you can trust because a lot of places uh, you really, really can't trust when they promise you A, B, C, D, right? You really don't know what you'll be getting. Which means maybe better to buy a resale, right? Then at least you can see the neighborhood. You can see the upkeep. I think that'll make sense rather you buy a project off the paper. Uh, and this is where we talk about other horror stories because when my family was um, buying, they asked, hey, Gerald, Gerald, you know, ask for some tips, right? Then I, I went to do some research. Apparently, even buying resale, doesn't free you up from all the horror stories in Malaysia. You really need to understand the ground. Um, so what I some here are some other horror stories that we kind of found out when um trying to look for a proper Malaysian property in uh Selangor area. In unlike Singapore, where you know our terrain is quite simple, straightforward. In Malaysia, right, there's a lot of mountainous areas or mm. small hills, right? So there is actually uh, a lot of places because the build quality is poor, right? They're actually susceptible to natural disasters. So um, one example would be landslide. Um, so if you look for properties that are undervalued, right? It could be because they have experienced natural disasters before. Mm. And that is because um, not just the fact that there's natural disasters, but also the foundation of the property was quite bad. So mm. then there'll be like potholes, like maybe every two or four years, there'll be one big pothole because the landslide happened and it just broke the road. And then one big hole there. So that's why the property is cheap. And then there is also a lot of cases of poor build quality. So poor build quality could be the way they built the property, right? They didn't really think through how it's done. So like typically when you build a property, there is like an integrated development, right? In Singapore, you always have a nice condo. Then there is the park. Then there is amenities, hmm. car park. Yeah, so one of the things are not built, you know? Um, like you have a huge ass multi-story car park, but sorry, a, a huge um condo, but there's no car park. Or for example, they built halfway, then the developer just abandoned the project and say, oh, no money, has, I stopped building. So even though you bought a completed property, you know, thinking that all the other, all the other things are going to be built, right? Suddenly it just gets abandoned and you see like, you're, you live in the middle of a construction zone, you know, mm. abandoned construction zone. So that actually happens before. So that, that's the issue or challenge in investing in Malaysia property. Hearing all this horror story, I think my own quick conclusion is if I would like to stay in Malaysia uh, for retirement, maybe I'll rent. Uh, rent for a few years even. Uh, I don't have intention to stay there, but maybe rent for a long while. Then you can really see all these negative factors surfacing. Ah, then maybe it's time to buy if you really have seen the worst uh, of the place and you are comfortable with it. And then maybe you can 
really buy and get yourself deep into that that uh, living status. If not, yeah. you're much better off not being tied down to a home. Uh, what are yeah, your that's final thoughts on Rent it first two years, you see you test, got landslide, come, you already know already. Right? Or if everything is yeah, yeah, yeah. correct, then you commit to buying. Uh, that is like dating first before getting married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's actually very, very true. In fact, over there, rental yields are a lot um lower for investors, I think, uh, for, mm. for the most part. So as a renter, you actually benefit from um vis-a-vis cheaper um value, more value, right? So then um it's good to rent and speak to the local people about where mm. are good places, hotspots, um, to kind of understand uh what they think about the place. Now. Yeah, then finally settle down on somewhere. Well, I think this is this is a good chat. This is a good chat. So as always, uh, when you're watching this, if you have experience, share with us. Uh, we're all curious. How does retirement in Malaysia look like? How does buying a home there really feel like? And as always, Jared, thank you for joining in this discussion. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care as always. Yeah. Bye. Take care. Have you?